0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Monday, September the 13th, and uh, wherever you are uh, in listening to this and, uh, and whenever you uh, get to it, whether it is Monday or Tuesday or whenever, I, I wish you God's grace, God's life, uh, God's, God's presence, God's joy uh, within you this day. Hey, uh, we made it through a weekend. I hope you had a wonderful one. And uh, and you know, as a Minnesota Viking fan, I did not. I did not have a wonderful one. Uh, but I know I live in the heart of Green Bay Packer country, and and many of them, they had, they had a tough day as well. So we we are commiserating and trusting in God's ultimate goodness, even if our football teams are are not there yet. So um, my friends. Thanks be to God, we have a gospel that we can look to that is always good, and uh, and we are going to begin Luke chapter 7 today. Uh, you remember we were going through Luke's sermon on the plain last week. For the majority of the week, that's Luke chapter 6. Today we are going to start chapter 7. So the verses we will look into are verses 1 to 10, okay? Luke 7, 1 to 10. Let's break open God's word and uh, and see what the holy spirit invites us to uh today in the midst of it a reading from the holy gospel according to luke when jesus had finished all his words to the people he entered capernaum a centurion there had a slave who was ill and about to die and he was valuable to him when he heard about jesus He sent elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and save the life of his slave. They approached Jesus and strongly urged him to come, saying, He deserves to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation and he built the synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But when he was only a short distance from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell him, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy to have you enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a person subject to authority with soldiers subject to me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come here, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and, turning, said to the crowd following him, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When the messengers returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. My friends, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So let's set the context here before we dive into the story, because there's so much, you know, just kind of behind the scenes in the story to unravel. But the context is this. So Jesus, remember, he, in chapter 6, called forth the 12 from, from his many disciples. He had many followers, and he called forth the 12 to be that inner circle. And after he did that, he came down and spoke to them on a level plane. And that was the beginning of Luke's sermon on the plain. Now, in Matthew, you you know this. I told, I said this last week. Matthew, Jesus has the Sermon on the Mount, and and it is one of not the longest, but one of the longest uh, discourses in all of the Gospels that Jesus gives, and it's Matthew chapters five, six, and seven. So Luke's when, when Jesus does the sermon on the plane and they share many of the same teachings, you can go to Matthew in those chapters and, and go to Luke in chapter six. You're going to see the same thing uh, in many of them, but, but Matthew's is, is far more expansive. Uh, Luke's only takes about six, 30 verses, excuse me 30 um, from about 40, from about 17 to 49. and then he ends. So we pick up today, Immediately following that sermon on the plain. And so it says, when Jesus had finished all his words to the people, so that discourse, that sermon on the plain was to everyone, not just the twelve that he called, but it's to all of us. That's the writer's way of saying, he's speaking to you and I uh, right there. So when he had finished all his words to the people, he entered Capernaum. Now Capernaum was a Jewish city again, at the, at the base of the Sea of Galilee. And, uh, and it was a good-sized town. And if we were in Mark's gospel, uh, Mark alludes to the fact that Jesus had a home in Capernaum. Luke does not allude to that, but Jesus would have been very familiar with Capernaum. Anyway, so here, here's where we are. So that sets the stage, okay? He had just, just finished preaching to the, the people. And so now he's going to preach differently, right? He's going to preach through these words, and a centurion who was a slave. So this is a centurion uh, stationed in Capernaum. And, and of course, it's a Roman. So that means he's a Gentile. So he's not a Jew. Even though Jesus is in a very Jewish city, a non-Jew and a person of power, a centurion, who of course means he oversees 100 soldiers, right? Uh, hence the name, the centurion. So he oversees 100 soldiers. He's a person of power. He's a Roman. He's a Gentile. He says he's got a slave who is ill and about to die, and the slave is valuable to him. And so the elders, meaning this centurion, he doesn't even come himself. He sends the elders of the Jews. So these are some of the elders of the synagogue in the city of Capernaum. So some of the powerful Jews in the city. So Jesus has a power play happening to him. A powerful Gentile is sending powerful Jews to him, because he wants this slave who's important to him to be healed. So that's what's going on here. Now, here's the beauty of this. Brothers and sisters, we see in the Gospels time and again, you know, gosh, we, we you know, this, this is Luke's Gospel, right? And if we go back to Luke chapter 1, and, and the visitation, when Mary goes and visits Elizabeth, right? After she is, uh, the good news announced to her from Gabriel, and she says yes to the plan, she goes and visits Elizabeth and does that magnificent, sorry about the, the redundancy, magnificat, my soul glories in the Lord, my spirit rejoices in, in God my Savior. So it magnifies, my spirit magnifies the Lord, meaning it, this is God's good good doing, not mine. And, and she's, you know, in the midst of this wonderful revolutionary speech, she says, you know, the rich are sent away empty, and the poor, you know, are lifted up. The lowly are lifted up. But the powerful are, are cast down from their places. This is Luke's gospel. And Jesus constantly is reaching out to the poor and the lonely and those on the fringes and the ostracized. They're not here, huh? Here's the and, and again, this is the beauty of the gospel, brothers and sisters. This is how it penetrates us today. Jesus is equal opportunity to heal. He is equal opportunity to bring the word of God. These are powerful people, powerful men who are coming to him. And and one is a Gentile. And these others are powerful Jews who are, are interceding for him. And and in our day and age, you know, in, in this time of... of polemic you know that we're divided brothers and sisters it'd be easy to say no i'm on the side of the poor i'm i'm on this side and not your side and if you're asking for my help i'm not going to give it but that wasn't important to jesus at all to say i'm here and not there he didn't define himself by who he was with he didn't define himself by who he wasn't for he defined himself as a child of god as the son of god and, and as someone who wished to bring God's life, God's experience, God's healing, God's goodness to anyone who wasn't experiencing it. Jew or Gentile, powerful or lowly, if you were open to the spirit of God, he wanted to bring it. Brothers and sisters, I think that is that is a worthy point for us to sit and, and chew on. Because often, again today, I I. I, I, I mentioned this before, I just, our world is so divided. And, and so often we're, we're, we feel forced or we feel in company when, when we um, see the world as black and white and those people over there aren't good. So they're not worthy of my time, my attention, my, my goodness, my healing, my forgiveness, uh, anything that I have for them, whoever they are. But brothers and sisters, our God did not act that way. And so he reaches out. He goes. And on his way, um, the, uh, okay, so the, the Jewish elders come and says, listen, he deserves to have you do this for him. Interesting point. He's, he's done really good things. He loves our nation and he built our synagogue. So he deserves this healing. So Jesus goes with them. But when he was only a short distance from the house, the centurion sends friends to him and says, don't trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you enter under my roof. He knows that if he were to enter the house of a Gentile, he himself would be made unclean. And he also knows if he were to touch a Gentile, uh, he would be unclean. Or if a Gentile were to enter into his house, he would be unclean. That, that those two can't mix. And so he's saying, I know what the rules are here. And I don't need you to put yourself out there. He says, I know who I am. And I know I'm not worthy. Even though these Jewish people just said, come because he deserves it. He himself is saying, I know I'm not worthy. I, I know who I am. And I'm not worthy to have you do this. He says, but I also know power and authority. Because I I live it right. I have a hundred soldiers under me, and I myself am under under somebody uh, because I know you know the the what authority does. I'm under somebody's authority, and these one hundred soldiers they're under my authority. So he says, here's what I'm proposing. I don't want you to to come under my roof because I'm not worthy to have you, and I don't want you you to be unclean. He said, but I know what's under your authority too. All I have to do if I want something done is tell the soldier, go over here. And he does it. I don't have to be there to, to see it. Or tell the slave, go here. Or tell this person, come here. And they do it. Because I know what authority looks like. He says, Lord, I know um, that uh, I'm not worthy to have you under my roof. But basically, he's saying, just, just say the word from where you are. and And whatever authority you have, it's going to happen. You don't have to be there to see it. I know how this works. And that's what Jesus is amazed at. He's using his own, the soldier's using his own understanding of authority and saying, I know who you are. And I know the authority that you have. And and I know that you can do this from a distance. And, and therefore, you don't have to be made unclean. And I know what can happen. And Jesus says, listen, I in all of Israel. Of all the Jews, he's saying, basically, he's he's talking to them, and he's saying, All you Jews, I haven't seen this faith in you. And and here's a Gentile, a Roman, who is saying, He knows exactly what the score is, and he knows what this is. I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when the messengers returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Brothers and sisters, Did you notice that Jesus and the centurion never met? Did you notice they never talked to each other? Did you notice they only talked and discoursed through uh, these friends that the centurion sent or the elders of the Jews that uh, that were sent earlier? They never were in the same presence. I'm going to say perhaps one of the reasons why, right? Right? is Luke is writing his gospel 50 or 60, let's say 50 years after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and ascension. Luke never met Jesus either. And do you know who else never did? The readers of Luke's gospel. And they may feel unworthy. They may feel distance. They may not have felt like they knew Jesus or Jesus was far from them, unlike the Jewish counterparts over in Antioch that Matthew was writing to that may have known him. And Luke is saying, no, no, brothers and sisters, the spirit of God acts for Gentiles just as as much as it does for Jews. It is equal opportunity. And do you know what else? You don't have to meet him for his power and authority to find root in your life. Brothers and sisters, that is true for us today. I know that was an awful long way to get to this point, right? Huh? But brothers and sisters, we may never have stood in the same place as our God. We may never have met him in a mystic plane. We may never have uh, had that experience of of a miracle or, or God's ecstatic presence in our life, whereas some other people do, and we may feel unworthy of that. We may feel unworthy of the presence of God because of what we have done or what we we have failed to do. We may feel unworthy of the presence of God by what we have said, or what we have thought, or all these inner things going on within us, or because of our past and what we know we have done. My friends, every time, every time we come to communion, right, we echo the words of this centurion, of this centurion, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. The centurion doesn't say that last part. He says, but only say the word, and I know it'll be done. We say, but only say the word, and that healing can happen. My friends, I want to say two things, and the first is you're right. You and I are not worthy of of the presence of God. We are not. Um, uh, to the extent that we feel like we are, I worry that we become kind of pharisaical, that, that we would be like them standing, or the Pharisees standing before God, thinking, I, I've, I'm, I'm okay because of my actions and because of how I'm living this Jewish law. Brothers and sisters, we are not worthy of God's magnanimous grace and love and, 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 and spirit in our life. But here's the second point I want to say. Do not confuse worth with worthiness because you are his beloved daughter. You are his beloved son. You are his beloved creation. You are the apple of his eye. You are the love of his life. You are our... our, the one that he desires to be with. And he would not only travel across Capernaum, he would travel across Israel, he would travel across the state of Wisconsin, he would travel from whatever distance he is to where you are now and where I am now. Our worthiness or unworthiness is not the issue. Brothers and sisters this Jewish or this Gentile Roman centurion who was an occupying force who was actively hated by most people in the city of Capernaum and in the in the nation of Israel was not worthy and that did not stop our God from coming to him He did not come because of these Jewish Uh, elders who came and pleaded he did not come because of these actions and 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 maybe he did deserve it so jesus came he came because he wanted to be close and he desires to be close to you and i our worth is is of more than i can even imagine and that is all grace our worth is unbelievable in the eyes of god and 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 brothers and sisters if nothing else comes out of this pod today know that our god loves you and me that much but we do not stand on our worthiness. We stand on God's worth of what he sees us. We are holy, not because of us, but because of him. Praise be to God. And he comes to us and he does not stay distant. Even if we don't see him directly, brothers and sisters, he is here. And he can heal and will heal and desires healing. And I don't know what that healing looks like. I know every one of us have something for which we would like to be healed or in our families or in our nation or or whatever that is. And brothers and sisters, it is our duty to bring those people to him, to intercede on behalf of them, like we talked about was a week or two ago in one of those gospels. We must intercede on behalf of those. But then we just simply have to trust that our God knows and he knows the worth of those as well and those situations and people. And we have to trust his judgment because it's better than mine. But we are, are of incredible worth, even in our unworthiness. Those are two different things of my own being. I, I have no worth to stand before God. But I, but I praise and I thank him for his grace that, that draws me near because of his love, because of his life. My friends, I went on even longer than I thought on this gospel. God love y'all. Oh my gosh, I'm not getting wordy. St. John Chrysostom, it is his feast day today. And and I'll only say a few things, but this this man, again, he's a doctor of the church, and he deserves far more than I'm going to give him time for or even credit for today. But he lived back in the 4th century, and, uh, and John was, uh, he was from Antioch and a very holy man, and an ascetic man, and lived in Syria in an ascetic way. But at that time, in the 4th century, the capital of the Roman Empire, as odd as it may seem, had moved from Rome over to what we would call Turkey now, uh, to Constantinople, what is now Istanbul. Uh, And I won't go into the song, did that a while ago. But uh, the capital of the Roman Empire was now in Constantinople, and that was the most powerful A city in the empire. And they invited, invited might be a soft word, or ordered may be the better word, but they invited John Chrysostom to come over and be the bishop in this place. And the bishop there, of course, was entitled to the court and got all of these favors put upon him, but John couldn't stand it. John was not imposing by any means. He had stomach ailments, he was not tall or big, but here's what he was. He was honest, and he was an incredibly good speaker, and he had an incredible understanding of Scripture. And he he spoke the truth. He played the role of prophet uh, to those who were in power there particularly, and he made a whole lot of enemies. People that, uh, that were in the court, like, so other bishops at this point could be, uh, pay a bribe and be appointed bishop. he got rid of all of them. Um, and so fellow bishops didn't like him because he knew that he was coming after them and so they spread gossip and rumors about him and even those didn't didn't fly because because his character was unassailable and ultimately this one uh, ironically enough, this one bishop called Theophilus, lover of God and the empress uh, went in cahoots. To get him exiled, and uh, and ultimately did after all these rumors and all these things. But John, uh, John's preaching and John's strength to to speak the truth to power were were unparalleled. And he was exiled and died at the age of fifty eight, uh, so young. But he is made a doctor of the church, and his insight into scripture and his writings were so good, we uh, call him Chrysostom. That is not his last name. It means golden-throated or golden-voiced that, uh, this Saint John was so wise and so strong, uh, and is revered as one of the, uh, the highest saints of the East, um, that we revere him today and we ask for his prayers. So let's bring this in prayer today, uh, And again, just using this gospel, brothers and sisters, knowing that even at that distance, God desires to be near us and is near us and desires our healing. So let's bring whatever's going on within us and place it at his feet today, knowing he is ever near and desires that. And so we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The first sorrowful mystery, the agony in the garden. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Chrysostom, pray for us. My friends, bless you. Have a wonderful Monday. And I look forward to breaking open God's word and seeing what God has for us this week together. God's peace.